podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I was at a bar the other day. I saw this group of people. So I went over and said hello. And they said they work for the NHS. And I was like, amazing. What do you guys all do for the NHS? And one was like, I'm a doctor. The second one said, I'm a nurse. And the third one said, I'm a first responder. I said, no, you're not. <laughs> yes. When you get a laugh like that from Meadows, <laughs> I feel like it's I feel like it's a good a good one. He hasn't that heard might it be the best ever reaction from Meadows. I think it is. I don't know. Whitney Houston is still so <laughs> tough to beat, but I liked that. Uh, yeah, again, just didn't never saw that coming at all. Haven't heard it before. Love that. The boxes for me. That's the key for you, Meadows, isn't it? Because you've heard so many of Nate's jokes. I've spent so much time around him. It's more, some of them are like, yeah, a lot of them have been new ones now um, because he's been doing his research, his hours and hours and hours of, sorry, minutes and minutes and minutes of research <laughs> for this part. But um, yeah, quite often they're similar theme or some, something that I know he's no, no, it's gone down. The best one's when he shared them already in like a WhatsApp group before and then it comes back and you're like, I remember you finding this. <laughs> yeah um no so that one i saw the other day it's a comedian called mark simmons um who's worth checking out i saw his him on tiktok so um yeah go check him out because he's got a lot of funny one-liners like that and i will be using more of them (laughs) (laughs) not one-liners you know sorry like punny kind of jokes like that so i like that this one was more longer form than than recent jokes i think recently you said you wanted a return to that to those days so i thought well i've got to i've got to impress the host well, yeah, I appreciate you giving my feedback. No, yeah, absolutely. And I'm only I, here for the I'm only here for the high scores, mate. <laughs> well, this is going to reflect positively. Positively, in the, <laughs> I'm going to say it's too early to be doing this. Podcast. It is. It is early. <laughs> Just for for listeners, this is Monday morning. We never do this. Yeah, this is unprecedented territory. <laughs> and I never thought I'd I'd be doing an early podcast on a Monday after a Sochi race. I mean, what is going on? Yeah, no. where we're at this year, which is good. Um, <laughs> but the score right. tell us the, the score, score Lauren the score. nine yes love it you yeah. know what and the thing is if we'd moved to decimal places it might have been even well 9.5 nice well that we can add that to the episode where we where we rate the nines and we re we re-rank them exactly um, but you're back on form Nate back on form for those who can't see what I'm seeing, both Nate and Meadows punch the air. <laughs> yeah. And I will continue to do so through, throughout the episode, just at random points. Welcome to The Paddock, a podcast featuring stories following Formula One around the world. I'm Lawrence Bretto, senior writer at F1.com. And I'm Chris Medland, F1 correspondent at Racer. And I'm Nate Saunders from ESPN. And we're off to flyer. This is excellent work. Absolute flyer. I'm yeah. pretty impressed with that. I, was, I wasn't sure how that was going to go down. We've, um, we've... How is everyone? Tired. Yeah, hmm. me too. It's, um, it's, it's, a, yeah, it's been a busy weekend. I've made the... the catastrophic error of trying to get a holiday in during the season seems i couldn't do it in the summer break which meant i thought you know what russia is normally a, a pretty dull race so that's one where i can take the holiday afterwards and do a load of work during that weekend on top of the normal work and then this happened so i, I felt mean, a bit mentally unprepared for it being that good <laughs> yeah because i was also kind of mentally on friday they were like there's gonna be no running saturday 
So I was like, okay, it's going to be one of those days where we kind of wait, but, you know, everything will be cram- crammed into Sunday. And then suddenly it was like, no, no, you can qualify as normal, which is good. <laughs> Mentally, oh, yeah, I'm, brilliant. Not, I'm not here. And then the race turned out to be as good as it was or as tense as it was. And uh, yeah, I wasn't ready for that either. I just thought Lewis was just going to come back through and, and win it easily. Honestly, I didn't really think he was going to get stuck behind everyone and it was going to be signs v Lando for so long. Yeah, it was, it was strange. Now, I would say it was a five-star race. And that's a segue to the reviews this week. Nice. Uh, <laughs> before we get stuck into the race. Because, Nate, you're going to love the first review that I'm about to read out, which is from Emma in Ireland, who gave us five stars. Thank you very much, Emma. And the title of the review is, in brackets, an absolutely futile. And then, per two of great in the 3S. Ah, uh, nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And just she just says, chaotic, but hugely entertaining. Brackets like this season. Um, which I think I might get tattooed somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> that, um, yeah, I might make that my dating profile. Like, <laughs> Byline. Uh, by, by um, yes. <laughs> there are so many jokes right there, but I will let that go. Um, so there was two others as well, actually. Actually, three others. There's one that we've got on Twitter to get to, but the other ones that the nice people at Apple Podcasts had posted was from JDP Cart 18, uh, who I think had uh, tweeted us to say, I've been going through a load of uh, reviews because my laptop was out. So we kind of got a heads up that there's a review to look for. And it's just titled The F1 Trio and another five stars. So again, that's our nickname, The F1 Trio. Um, While Nate, Chris and Lawrence are highly respected journalists, they bring a very casual, easy listening feel to each episode. Oh, I need to read this differently don't i because it's easy listening Uh, whether it's discussing the most recent f1 race or just around the paddock in general it's informative while easy on the ears (laughs) definitely worth a listen but also a read of their articles on their respective websites thank you jdp cart 18 from australia what a mega review that was a great review i I enjoyed the way meta's read it i think the way meta's read it was pretty entertaining uh and then last one on here was from uh, AVDG Steve, who is in the US. Also, so this this one hurt me. Just popped up. We got this review. Uh, also five stars with the title fantastic. And I was like, great. Uh, and then it got deleted. It was like about a week ago. Oh. And it, I can still see it, but it's got a big red deleted box next to it. I was like, oh, that's harsh. But he's reposted it or, or she's reposted it. So thank you very much to AVDG Steve, who just said, fun, insightful, and entertaining banter from journalists that actually attend races. My favorite F1 podcast. Quit reading this and hit play. Now, AVDG Steve, thank you very much. But we can confirm that this week, not one single one of us attended the race. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because I think all of us have been so put off by Sochi that this, when I saw this, I was like, you know, this is a good chance to just not go to a race, have a weekend back in the UK. I've had plenty of those, but like, and now I'm thinking like, maybe I gave Sochi a hard time. Maybe Sochi's fun now. <laughs> Absolutely exceeded expectations in it this weekend. But I want to just focus on the fact that for Nate and I, this year, it's kind of been, we haven't been at every single race by any stretch. But Mr. Lawrence Barreto tends to be at more races than most. Uh, and did you even did. watch the race, Lawrence? Um, so I'll be brutally honest with you. I didn't watch either qualified or the race line. Oh, my word. Oh, that is and brutal. I, before we started this podcast, I was trying to think, the last time that that happened and it's well over a decade since i like i last missed a wreck like 
didn't watch it. Wow. And it's been well over a decade since uh, McLaren, Williams and Ferrari were at the front of the grid. So maybe that's why. I was going to say, based on this weekend, please don't watch another race live again. Like, <laughs> it was good. Lando, Lando Norris might want you to watch. Maybe I shouldn't attend races either. Well, it depends. If we're there, you can. Oh, thanks. Charlie. You can't watch. We'll blindfold you at um, like five to three each Saturday and Sunday. I can't believe of all the races that I was going to not attend, I said, we're saying to Nate before we hit record on this, that I can't believe of all the Sochi races I've been to, not one of them was anywhere close to as good as this one. And I wasn't there. That's the way it was going to be. There, then again, I am still waiting on a burger that I ordered in 2015. Then. So <laughs> you know, I feel like, I feel like um, yeah, Sochi, I think Sochi, it sounds like has got a lot better as a destination to go to in the last couple of years. So a lot of us had the, opinion soured of it and it's i guess next year's the last race right so mm-hmm. last yeah. chance to go before st petersburg yeah i think i'll go don't worry i'm yeah. there nate you coming we'll all go i'll, I'll come but you realize it's going to be back to just being <laughs> terrible again i will make our entertainment because we'll, we'll reminisce about the past but you're right because 2014 was a shocker because um it was the first time there but no one knew what to expect no one knew where anything was and it was the weekend after suzuka when bianchi had had this crash so it was um yeah really really down atmosphere and I think that was kind of unfair to judge it on that so everyone went back in 2015 and thought right well they've you know it'll surely be better and you know we've we've got um some experience now we know where where to go maybe and it was the complete opposite like you said the service was terrible anyway you wanted to like go or stay or eat or anything um and the racing yeah just wasn't good so it kind of made for a bit of a bit of a meh weekend but you're right it's definitely improved since um and if they managed to to do it too Sorry, I was going to say, if they manage to outdo it next year, like as in if this year is then beaten by next year's race, mm. there's absolutely no way we should be leaving and I will start a petition. <laughs> Imagine saying that two years ago. <laughs> yeah. Start no. a petition to keep Sochi on the grid. I used to liken Sochi to the Truman Show. You know, the scene when he starts to like unravel the, con- the conspiracy and he runs into the <laughs> hospital and they're all just like pretending to do an operation. That's what Sochi used to be like. You'd go into a restaurant, be like, can I have a pizza? And they'd look at you like, Yes. You can have a pizza, and like they'd like slowly walk into the kitchen as if they'd never made one before, and you're like, uh, "This is a restaurant, right?" I have like, have I insulted you somehow? And then they'd come back out an hour later, like, "Did you want the pizza?" Like, "Yeah, yes, I did. I did want that." Um, and yeah, but no, good, good for Sochi that it's better. Much Putin's better. favorite holiday resort. Fun fact, well, understandably yeah. now. I yeah. mean, you never know what you're gonna get. Is it gonna rain? Is it gonna not rain? Lawrence had a great cloud-based fact about Sochi. Lawrence, that you just hit me with before we recorded. Um, that I understand that they seeded, um, I think this is how you'd say it, seeded the clouds to stop it raining in the early, in the early days um, to ensure that Sochi looks very pretty, very sunny. I don't know if you remember the first few Sochis. The weather was always really... Um, it was lovely, yeah. It was really nice. So I'm glad that we finally got... Because I'm pretty sure this is the first year that we've had rain, right? Yeah, for for, for for the for the main for the main sessions anyway yeah. as well, especially. Um, so we run out of seeds this year. Here's here's to more rain, hey, to more rain. Yeah, fewer fewer seeds and more rain in Sochi. <laughs> That's what we need. There's, there's a podcast title. <laughs> now, Nate, obviously, um, I've caught up on qualifying and the race, so I know what's happened. But I feel like a good way for me to catch up properly is to is to listen to your review. Let's go for it. I feel like I'll say after I did one driver dirty in this without, and then I thought about it and it's probably harsh, but I'll say which one after. 
See if you can guess. Ooh. Now, now there's intrigue. I'm, I'm listening even harder than normal. Okay, here is my review of the 2021 Russian Grand Prix, which, amazingly, against all the odds, was a fantastic race. Uh, Lewis Hamilton, the Centurion, 100 not out, incredible. Max, 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 Super Max in second, proper damage limitations. Uh, Vamos, Carlos, although I don't know what Ferrari's early pit stop was about. Ricardo fourth, pretty impressive. Bottas in fifth, saved it, looked like he was going absolutely nowhere. Not going to be Finland's Minister of Defence anytime soon, sadly. Alonso in sixth, seventh position. You stubborn young man, Lando Norris, that was heartbreaking. Uh, he's going to win at some point. Like, he looked completely natural out in front. Uh, Kimi in eighth. Well done, Kimi. Perez in ninth, looking like Albon and Gasly at Red Bull, just looking a bit average. George Russell, tenth, solid point. Lance Stroll woke up and chose chaos. Vettel and Gasly both had a run in with Stroll. Ocon, uh, 14th. Leclerc caught out by the, the conditions. Don't usually see that. Giovinazzi, no radio. Sonoda, angry at Mazepin. That's becoming a, a theme, isn't it? Latifi was 19th. And Mick Schumacher did new finish the race. Which one was it? Was it? Are you going to say Perez? Because well, I, I felt that was justified, to be honest, based on how Corley went and then where he ended up in the race. Yeah. So, yeah, I wasn't sure whether... I thought maybe, yeah, you'd have thought that. But I, just purely because he'd got himself back into contention before the, the rain. Mm. But also, yeah, you're right. It had been pretty average to that point. And if you take Baku away... Perez has been pretty underwhelming, I think, this year. It's been a shame because I thought he was going to be... I know Max has had the title fight, but I thought Perez was going to be key to that, you know? But really, Max has done it without him, if you know what I mean. So I did some quick maths earlier, and I'm having to do them quickly again in front of me. <laughs> Make but, sure that you're right. <laughs> yeah. Perez has scored over the last six races, so from Silverstone onwards, he has scored 16 one six points in wow. total. That's nice. Like, wow. That's ridiculous, isn't it? That's like, what? Just over one, a third place? Yeah, Gee. it's a third place in the fastest lap. And if you put him in a championship from those six races, he'd be like bottom 10, wouldn't he, on that? You wouldn't be, you wouldn't be in the top 10. He's got the, you, you would imagine with the way some of the guys have been scoring points, like Danny Rick and stuff. Well, yeah, for um, comparison, George Russell over the same period of time has that's scored. Good, good, yeah. The exact same amount of points, actually. Wow. But still. But that's still impressive, though, isn't it? Given it's that's like, that's like the ninth, eighth the quickest car versus yeah. the car that is probably the quickest, uh, you know, probably the quickest out of all of them. So, yeah. So I didn't do one of them dirty. So if anything, great review. Um, <laughs> well done, me. Uh... <laughs> I was also, I was going a bit slow because I was so worried about losing my one, my one hit wonder take from last time that I wanted to make sure I got it all right. And then I completely forgot one of the, I think it was Ocon. I was like, yeah, he was, he was 13th. <laughs> yeah, he finished there. To be yeah. fair, I, I didn't really notice him all race either. I mean, there's a lot going on. And I yeah. heard his, or saw his um, media session last night. And he was kind of like, yeah, wasn't very good. Need to find out why. So I don't think he, you know, he didn't, there wasn't something massively dramatic where he was like, oh, did you guys not see? Um, so yeah, I think uh, you're, you're excused on that front, mate. Must be quite frustrating in that situation, like when there's late chaos at the end and you go from being nowhere, it all happens around you and you still finish, you still finish nowhere. Like for Bottas, like he was nowhere and then he finished fifth. Verstappen used it to go to second, but a lot of those guys must look at it and think like that was a chance to score big points and we mm. still just didn't do anything. 
which must be like, I think that's more frustrating than just finishing 14th is you have that chance at the end. But then speaking of chances at the end and frustrating, mm. let's, let's get to it. Yeah. Not, not We're talking Lewis, about, not Lewis Hamilton's hundredth win. You're talking about Yuki Tsunoda, right? <laughs> yeah. Like it was, um, it was all there for him. No, um, Lando's call or McLaren's call or the, the, the choice to stay on slicks and a win becoming seventh place in the end. Uh, mm. verdict from Nate because you actually watched the race. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I look, it was it was tough to watch because you know I like I kind of at the time I loved the fact that he kind of hung it out there and was like, well, if Lewis is pitting, then I'll stay out, and that made sense for that first lap. But Lando and Lewis were forty four seconds ahead of third place at that point, so Lando could tiptoe around that next lap, and it was by that point clearly getting quite quite a lot worse, and I feel like. Even if Lando had pitted that next lap, I think I think you did a tweet, didn't you, Mendes, about how that next lap was similar to Lewis's, and he still could have been fighting Lewis on pit exit. Yeah, it wasn't giving up the win if he pitted. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so I, I think staying out that first lap, I loved. But then after that, it just seemed like it was like, what's the end game here? Because even if even if the weather stays like this, Lando's going to have to win the race like that, you know, like tiptoeing around, and everyone else was on the better tire, like Max, the way Max came through. So I don't know. It's easy for us to sit here and say that. I know that. But I think my take on it was that actually it shows you, I know McLaren just won the last race before this, but it shows you how long it's been since McLaren's been out of that, that kind of mindset of winning races. So we talk a lot about Mercedes making all these mistakes, like Hungary when they left Lewis out on the grid, didn't pit him. But Mercedes has been in contention to win every race since 2014. So the probability of them making mistakes in those instances is higher because there's more chances for them to make mistakes this was mclaren's second chance to win a race in what 10 years and they didn't make a mistake last week they did this week so that you know it's a 50 percent kind of error uh, uh ratio i guess so that i thought was quite interesting and when you've got a young driver like that um the radio messages were interesting but mclaren from what i heard at no point said lando you have to pit now like we, we're making you pit they were like do you want inters it feels like it's inters and stuff and the driver's always going to say well no like i'm winning the race lewis has pitted like leave me out here so i feel like that was where mclaren needed to put their foot down because lewis ignored mercedes the first time then they said pit and he he heard the tone of their voice and was like okay you guys know better i trust the team so i think it was a learning curve for lando but definitely for mclaren as well like if they're going to be a contender next year in those moments you just got to be like if we make this mistake and it's the wrong call lando finishes second if we make this decision and it's the right call, he wins the race, you know? So yeah, I think it was, um, it was a shame. I mean, proper dramatic. I can't believe it ended like that, but um, yeah, someone needed to be on the radio just telling Lando what was, what was going on. Yeah. I fully agree. Cause I mean, it's, it is easy in hindsight to, to level certain arguments or say, well, you know, clearly you should have done it because you end up seventh. But if you take that totally out of it and you just look at exactly what you said, it's the lap after Lewis Pitts. So they both tried to hang it out. Lewis comes in and responds to the team. Lando goes on and gets told he's pitted. And he's like, I know I've seen. And then he's asked about inters. And he's like, no. But that's where if McLaren just look at the situation, everyone else has made that's that's a threat to them in that race has made their pit stop. There's nobody else. Like if they stop then, the gap is so big, they're either first or second guaranteed. And some people are like, yeah, but what if it stops raining? Well, it doesn't matter. Everyone else has switched to Inters. Everyone's in the same boat. You know, they are leading on the same tyre as everyone behind them. And because they're in the lead of the race, they will have the better of the conditions as such. 
as in they'll get to the end quicker when the track is at its wettest. You know, if, if it stops raining, it's got to take time to dry out. So the quicker they get to the finish, the better it is for them. Essentially, what I think McLaren did was they raced the weather, which was the wrong thing to do. They went, it, it's raining right now. It's not raining very hard. You know, slick might be the right tire. Like it, it might stop and, and we'll go really quickly. But they didn't need to race the weather. It didn't matter whether they're on the right tire or not, actually. They needed to race everybody else in the race because they're not beating weather. They're beating 19 other cars. And if 19 other cars have made the same call, make the same call. You're in the lead. Like you stay in the lead. It doesn't matter if you then go slowly to the finish. You, you only have to win by one second. But they, it was like they were trying to win by a minute by, by proving that they think the slick was the way to go and, and the risk was too high. And I, I genuinely think it was that's where you're spot on. If a team that's been winning not lots of races and is in that rhythm, they understand that the race is not to the end of the race in the quickest possible way. It's just the end of the race quicker than everyone else. And uh, I think that's the bit that McLaren got wrong. Because in one sense, you can totally see why they made the call. You know, if, if it did stop raining and they're on the slick, great, they've nailed that. But they didn't need to nail that. They just needed to, to finish ahead of the others. And because the others had pit, then that was their their cue to pit. So, um yeah, I think they will massively learn from it. And at least we can say, one, that they'd had the win the week before. So that's ticked off and it hopefully hurts a little bit less because, you know, they've shown they're capable of winning and they've shown how good their car is right now. But two, they, they still had a good points all against Ferrari. They're still in good shape in the Constructors' Championship. It hopefully won't be too costly in the wider picture. It's just in isolation that that race is going to hurt. But um, yeah, the, the fact he finished seventh is kind of irrelevant. Like, you know, not winning uh, came down to, I think, make, not making that sensible call as much as it was kind of boring, I guess, um, after the lap after Lewis Pitt. But yeah, they'll they'll learn. It's interesting, him and Russell have had similar moments, haven't they, where they've had that, him last year in Bahrain had that first win. I know it was, there were different circumstances, but so close to winning, snatched away from him. And they were both, the reactions to both of them were the same. And for young drivers, I think that might be quite important in their careers, like, it's like, you, you know, it's, and it shows you as well, like Lewis winning that hundredth race to win a hundred times, the amount of times Lewis has had to be in that situation and he's made the right call. The team's made the right call, whatever. It just shows you like, even if when pe- I hate when people say it was all the car, because you're like, well, Lewis has been in that situation time and time again, and he's won races based on it. And it shows you how difficult it is just to win one race, your first mm-hmm. race. Mm-hmm. So for him to win that, do that a hundred times. It's absolutely insane. The amount of things that are thrown at a driver and at a team during a race like that. And I think it will, it gives guys like Russell and Norris that appreciation that, you know, if you're going to win, you have to get everything right on the day. You can't risk anything. You can't just be like, yeah, let's stay out like this. So I think it'll be important in the long run. Like you said, they'll learn from it. I think watching it live, the disappointment though, when it, when it clearly was wrong, once they got round, because you still hope when he's made that call that it's going to work out. Okay. Because Norris did deserve to win and you wanted to see him get his first win. 100%. But but you could just sense everyone watching that race, basically, unless they're, they're an absolute hardcore Lewis fan. You could sense like the deflation when uh, I think Lando came through turn three and it was hammering it down. You're like, I mean, he did really well to get back to the pits, even. Like, you thought he's just going to open the wall now. It's all gone wrong. Um, but Barreto, seeing as you then watched it back, did you know what had happened by then when you watched like the rerun or the highlights, or did you manage to avoid? The result no so i knew what the yeah i knew what the result was before i watched the re watched the whole thing through um so i wouldn't i didn't feel it in the same i didn't feel it in the same way or i because i kind of knew what was coming so i was just trying to understand it no i guess knowing what 
what was about to happen or essentially how how Lando lost the race. That's what I was kind of watching it to um, to play out. I think that the way from what I've watched and what I heard everyone saying, I kind of feel like McLaren just wanted to win too much. So they, they were too focused on getting that victory. And I think their mindset had changed completely because they'd won the last race in Italy. I think this race would, I think things would have been very different if they hadn't won the last race, because then when you've gone through that period of time, having not won, you can take more risks. They've won that race now and they wanted to try and build something out of it. It may, reminded me of um, not, I mean, you probably gonna say it's not similar at all, but like 97, obviously when they lucked into that win um, in Jerez, and then they built that kind of period of, dominance i'm sure that they would have gone and had that win last weekend knowing that they've got a good car and seeing that they had an opportunity here and there must be something in the mindset that thinks if we can get some momentum here and we can start building like two wins is much better than a win in a second and i think if they'd got second it would have been just as much of a defeat for them to do it so they may as well go out and go for it and try and win the race and so i think that that must have, we're all talking about all of this decision making happening in microseconds, but I'm sure that a lot of that would have been in their thinking. And I do get the point that they could have fallen into that gap and definitely got second, but I don't think Land, Lando would have been gutted with second. So this is the bit I totally disagree with. Everyone thinks it's giving up the win. It's not. Lando pitting at the end of that next lap had every chance of coming back out in the lead on Had the every chance though. Yeah. Yeah, but that's the point is you're, you're, you're trying, you're like, it's the same with when you make any pit stop, you know, if it, my point there is, you know, they had a slow one with Ricardo. So there's a chance they have a slow one with Lando or you don't know Lewis's outlap compared to Lando's inlap and Lando's final lap, like on slicks when it was Lewis's first one on inters aren't fully comparable because obviously Lando doesn't pit um, and he slid wide at the penultimate corner as well. But if he comes into the pits, he's probably going a bit slower than Lewis was because it's been wet but then he might he might be quicker out of it because the Inter will be onto a more wet track. So he hasn't burnt it up as much as Lewis has, this sort of thing. Like there's a load of stuff there that is completely ifs, buts and maybes. But it, it was, I can understand if Lewis was 15 seconds behind him and you're definitely dropping behind him by making that pit stop. But that's the bit I completely disagree with when anyone thinks that was the like safe give up a win bet. It wasn't at all. It was the, both options were trying to go for the win. One was you're either going to win off a new second the other one was you you might win but you and you might win by a long way or you might not even finish this race um and i think the likelihood of winning like was probably higher by pitting and based on what everyone else had already done as well that's the thing because everyone else did it because it gave them the best chance of winning um and once everyone else has done it they did have that luxury just to try and cover them off but I just don't, th- I know what you mean. They're split second decisions, but that's what they're paid a lot of money to make. And you, you weigh up the risk reward and go, actually, we've got every chance of winning it this way. It's, it's the boring decision in a sense, because you're following everyone else, but that's how you cover. Yeah, but it's much easier for everyone else to make that decision because they're not leading the race. I think the difference is they, they were leading. And I think for if you're in that position, giving up a lead, especially when you don't have that opportunity very often, is it's incredibly not, difficult. It's the thing, it's not giving up a lead. It's also because... I get it, like the lap before. So he, when Lewis he... when Lewis pit uh, and Lando didn't, that was fine because Lando was at, yeah the car ahead on track. So you don't you don't come into the pits then and give up the position to Lewis who's behind you. But seeing as Lewis had already pit and they knew the gaps and they knew the gaps to everyone else, they knew that they realistically the Inter was the tire to be on, and they had a chance of coming in and getting out 
in the lead. But what they thought was they didn't look at Lewis so much or anyone else behind them. They started just looking at the weather and going, oh, we think it's going to stop raining, though. It didn't matter. They just needed to cover him off then. And that's the bit where I think they raced the wrong thing. They raced the weather, not the driver behind. I think they just thought that as soon as Lewis had pitted, they would have lost the opportunity to get back out or there was a risk that they wouldn't get back out ahead. And therefore you have, they, well, from what they said, committed to once they, once Lewis had pitted, they'd committed to just keeping the lead and then seeing what, what would happen there on in. I think, I think it would have been different if, if he had pitted first, I think that the issue was that they just didn't, they made the wrong call to start with. If he had just decided to pit then, because then I guess then Lewis might've stayed out. See, Exactly. And that's, why, that's why you can't yeah, blame them for not pitting on the lap Lewis did because Lewis had that luxury of sitting behind him and seeing yeah. what Lando did and going, you know what, I'll try something different now. Um, but it was the following lap. That, that's why I try and only look at, at up to that point because they when they made the call at the end of the following lap, there was every chance of staying in the lead and, and therefore winning the race. Um, or maybe even, even if you did come out behind Lewis on better tyres because Lewis would have churned them up slightly when it was drier for that first lap so uh, I, I feel like all of the actual things that add up all the things they'd have taken into consideration a lap later when when they could have come in is the is was all, all the info was there that the right decision was to pit but they were gambling on the weather changing again when they didn't need to gamble on that they just needed to beat Lewis Hamilton worth pointing out as well I think Merck had the luxury in a sense of just looking at what Verstappen did and um I think that there was no point because here's the thing. I think where Lawrence is probably right is <clears throat> I don't think L- Lewis would have in the dry would have risked an overtake on Lando because, you know, it's quite difficult to get close to that McLaren and given the championship, <clears throat> I don't think, I think Lando had that, that race won. I think he said that after and the, yeah, in the, suddenly, in, suddenly in the rain, I think Lawrence is right. And that their whole mindset, they're like, this is our race. Like we should win this. And they had called it perfectly up to that point. Like, you know, not pitting when signs did, et cetera. Like uh, Lando was just controlling the race. So that I think must get in the back of your head. Like, come on, we can't lose this now. Whereas for Lewis and Mercedes, as soon as Max made that call, it's like, well, like you said, uh, Meadows, like once he's made that call, as long as we're on the same tire as Verstappen, it doesn't really matter what happens. Even if they both finished out the points, it's like, well, we did the same as our championship rival and it just happened to be the wrong call or whatever. So Merck did have that luxury as well. I think if that wasn't a factor, I think it would have been interesting if, like if McLaren could have made that call early or, or whether Lewis would have followed Lando, like had seen him stay out and say, I'm staying out as well. Um, Cause clearly that's what Lewis wanted to do. So um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of interesting factors in it. Yeah. That's a very good point actually about Merck. Yeah. You're essentially making the, the point I'm trying to make for McLaren's way of yeah, like the race. Point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Merck, Merck did the same, but with other cars behind them, that that's good. Good way of looking at it. And it would have been fascinating if McLaren had actually chosen to pit on the lap Lewis did if Lewis would have done the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. Because that that would have, that would have lost him huge points in the title race from where he was. Yeah. He'd have finished eighth, like eighth or ninth and Max would have still been second. Like that would have been enormous in the championship. And fair play to Max on that result, because I think it got overlooked in the the chaos at the end, but you know, he timed it perfectly. And um, really, I think that was a, probably his best result of the season. I'd say, given that he started at the back, given that Lewis really should have, I mean, Lewis won the race, but we kind of knew Lewis was going to win the race going into the weekend. If you'd said on Thursday, Max is going to finish second and only lose, you know, only lose, what is it? Uh, seven points to, to Lewis. You'd have said, that's ridiculous. Like, how's that going to happen? So that was pretty impressive. And um, 
yeah, like for Max to have, I think Horner said afterwards that it was perfect timing, but Max kind of made the call, got it right. And again, that's a risky call because if he gets that wrong, he could have finished out of the points, you know, and Lewis yep. could have gained 25 on him. So um, I'm glad, I'm glad the championship didn't get a huge swing based on an engine penalty. It seems like that was kind of a fair result, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, Lewis didn't make a huge gain. I know Lewis, Lewis was impressive that Lewis won the way he did, but it would have been a bit of a shame if it gained like 20 points because Max had to take an engine penalty, you know? So I think in the, in the context of the season, it was a good thing. And we're still close There's seven races left. What is it? Two points in it, which mm -hmm. is, is nuts. I think it's just going to, hopefully it stays like that the whole year because we need an Abu Dhabi finale in F1. We haven't had one for a long time. Yeah. And especially when you think of the fact that that engine penalty was only needed because of the crash damage. Yeah, Silverstone, exactly. which yeah. I'm, you know, ignoring like whether you blame anyone for instant or, or not for your car to be so heavily damaged through something that really wasn't at least wasn't your fault, whether it was a racing incident or um, someone else to blame. But then, yeah, then you lose an engine, which is not through reliability. It's just the thing can't withstand like an impact that big. So that was kind of would have it been was a huge consequence hard. for what was a clash between two title rivals. Like, yeah. you know, Max really came out a lot worse in that moment, lost 25 points and lost an engine yeah which you know is a massive payoff for that regardless like you say regardless of who's to blame yes yeah, so i liked they... i liked you and lawrence chatting there because usually all three of us are exactly in agreement on stuff so <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. that was quite it was quite fun you should watch the race no it's um it, it was more <laughs> because it was i actually was doing this a lot on twitter yesterday because you know I, I understand where other people come from and how it's also easy to kind of look at hindsight and at first i was saying you know in hindsight they got it wrong but they'll learn blah 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 and then i went through kind of the data that was there with the lap charts and things and went what was in front of them at that moment um you know my job isn't to be a strategist so i'm not there going through it live but they did have those decisions to make and you kind of it quite quickly then became clear that with what they knew at that point um and then what the unknown was was the same unknown for everybody um i felt they made the the wrong one but um yeah it, it's it is fascinating. It's just another chapter in what I think Lawrence Barreto has asked us is potentially the best season in, did you say in a decade, Barreto, earlier? Uh, yeah, I think I think in the last decade, I think. It's the best one I can remember watching. 2012 was damn good. Well, 2012 was, 2012 was good because I think anything that goes to the finale like that has always got to be considered a great season. I think this is the first one since 2012 where genuinely you go into every race, like I don't know who's going to win. Yeah. And I don't know I don't know how it's going to play out. And that we haven't had that this whole era, you know, even when Ferrari kind of came back, you knew like this is a Ferrari race. They should win. Mercedes should win here. This race. I mean, Lewis hadn't won since Silverstone, which is crazy when you think about how good he's been in this era. So I would say for me, it's the best one I can remember. 2012 might just pip it. 2010 was good as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. 2010 yeah, was great actually, wasn't it? it just 2010 kind of... when <clears throat> to have four guys like in it at the end. But yeah, I don't know. I think because we've been so starved of it as well, this one feels like so overdue. It's really easy to just say this is the best season ever. It's also the it's also the rivalry between Lewis and Max. So I think that yeah. it's quite it it's the kind of thing that Formula One needed. I'm not saying that you didn't have good rivalries in 2010 and 2012, but I feel like this is quite intense. No, you're right because like Vettel Alonso in 2012, they didn't really fight wheel to wheel on track. They didn't. Clearly, there was some animosity from Alonso's side to Vettel. He always kind of carried that with him. But yeah, you never had this moment where they kept hitting each other on track and they kept fighting on, on track for the for the wins. And in 2010, it was like Weber Vettel maybe was the, the big one. And yeah. then Alonso was in there and 
but they weren't yeah it was kind of mixed between them so i agree that that makes it special there was a lot of tweets i, I even tweeted like when sochi's one of the best races of the year you know that it's just an all-time season because like <laughs> just a ridiculously kind of a venue that none of us have been excited about before um and the same with like um i think barcelona was a good race like poor ricard even had a decent race like circuits that we just assume like oh this isn't gonna be a great race and i think that speaks volumes to it so we're changing the rules next year yeah <laughs> i think i, I also tweeted tweet that. On that yeah i saw that one um it's but this happens every time this does happen every time doesn't it like yeah you get convergence near the end and it's also that people stop developing their cars Perfect. yeah and they've, exactly they've got close and then it, you haven't got the arms race to for one to get it right and one to get it wrong and um it's just well it's nicely poised but that's partly because we have a regulation change next year i think because yeah. it would be a bit deflating if we went into next year and one team won 15 races you know especially if it was mercedes Not, nothing against mercedes but even if it was like red bull you'd be like oh such a shame like last year all the young guys had this great chance to win races and you know it would be I don't know. I think, especially given how excited people are about the season, the amount of people that are coming in to watch it, if we suddenly had a season like that, which I think is quite likely, just because one team is likely to master the rules better. That's just how F1 works. Um, so yeah, it does feel like I'm, I'm kind of a bit apprehensive about that, but we'll see what happens. I think the reality is that they are going to be more stretched out next year. I don't yeah, know definitely. by how much, but I guess um, with my F1 hat on, the reality is that, <laughs> well, the hope is that in the more medium to long term, if the rules do what they're supposed to do, which is allow the cars to follow closer, then eventually it should make it better. But I guess you just have to take some early pain. That's if the rules work. And to be fair, there's a budget cap. There's the sliding scale for development. Mm -hmm. So like there are things in, like checks and balances now in place, at least that should make it a bit more interesting. So maybe I'm just being very pessimistic. Sorry to end on a pessimist. No, but I think that's, I think that's a fair point though. I do think it's a fair point. And that last point is a good one. In that, So I did, um, I had a Fred Vasseur interview, which, um, so this is life outside the paddock. It was Friday afternoon. I got asked if I wanted to join like Fred's morning coffee, they called it. And it was at five to eight UK time. Uh, and I said, is it on Zoom or in person? Because I'm not actually in Russia. And they were like, no, it's on Zoom because of the weather forecast. Normally it's in person, but that's why we've contacted you to see if you want to join because we're doing it by Zoom. So I was like, oh yeah, great, sure. So I got up, like took the dog for a quick walk and was like, right, I made myself a coffee, sat down, like hand showered yet or anything sorry to be gross but it's just was like right you know i thought it was a group thing where he'd just be chatting and maybe throw a few questions at him and it's a lot of people seeing it's fred's morning coffee and it's basically a two-on-one interview with a, an italian journalist so i was something like oh um so i had to think on my feet a bit but in that i was talking to him about uh the future for alpha and, and their hopes for next year and stuff and one he's like all 10 teams are going like we're focusing on next year now or, or we we have high hopes for next year it could be better or it should be better we're going to prioritize it but because everyone's doing that you get an order of one to ten still so someone or at least half the grid are going to be pretty disappointed if not yeah more. true um and even if they do a better job that than they have been doing they're still going to end up like out of position on that front but he said the but he said we're in the right place because we can actually increase our budget slightly we're putting a bit more money into next year we've managed to do that and we don't have to you know remove any personnel we don't have to cut funds like we have, we, you know, the budget cap works for us, whereas there's plenty of bigger teams that are coming the other way. And not only do they have to worry about building a car right now, they have to worry about restructuring a whole team. So he seems to think it's kind of close um, for the midfield teams to actually, you know, get, get really close to the front runners. So there's that potential there. Um, and I think it is more the budget cap that leads towards that. There's obviously exclusions from it, but I think 
I think everything that's been put in place, I'm, I'm kind of, I guess, backing up Barreto and F1 here, but everything that's been put in place it, are the right things. Whether they all add up to a great season next year remains to be seen, but um, it, it's like the best safety net to create that, I think, possible, and should, which should mean that, yeah, in the not-too-distant future, we do get some more epic seasons like this, where well, hopefully it's not just two teams going for the title either, it's, it's three or four. Yeah, I yeah, I agree. I think that's what it would be great is if, you know, like we've had McLarens winning this year. Um, it would be good if we could have multiple teams in a position to win, even if they don't effectively launch a championship challenge. I just feel like it, it would be better if more people had the opportunity or felt like they had an opportunity to compete. So, And Alpine won. And Alpine won, yeah. yes. All you need to do is wipe out Mercedes and Red Bull at the start <laughs> and anyone can win. That's what needed changing. Well, that was that wasn't needed in Italy, though, was it? Because McLaren would have won anyway, without even without them coming together. Yeah, no, I'm just saying for for more winners. Oh, I see, I see. You yes. do that, and then definitely you get more winners. Still a slightly mixed up grid, though, in Monza, and the the other wins have been when you've kind of shaken the order up, you know. So I think mm. that there is something to that. When the cars are close, let's not have the fastest car on on pole, and let's try that. <laughs> let's try that out, Lazar. Go, go tell that to go tell that to F1. This is a whole different podcast. It is. We'll, we'll save this one for later <laughs> in the year. All right, chaps. Well, thanks very much, as ever, for your time. Lovely to see you guys. Um, and thanks to everyone who was listening as well and for all those great reviews uh, that you fired into us. We really appreciate it. Uh, remember to hit the subscribe button and to follow us on our social channels. You can read Nate's work on ESPN.com, Chris's work on Racer.com and my work on F1.com. We will do this again very, very soon. Bye. Network.